Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. Have you shopped the clearance section on the Tallman Equipment website? When the folks at Tallman need to make room on their warehouse shelves, that means big savings for you guys. From power tools to dynamiters and much more. Check Tallman Equipment's clearance page on their website at www.tallmanequipment.com shop clearance and save some big bucks today. Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. These gummies are a holistic, non-habit-forming approach to help you relax, restore, and unwind. They are made with ashwagandha, which is classified as an adaptogen. These adaptogens are a select group of plants to help your body cope with stress. Studies have shown that KSM-66 ashwagandha reduces levels of cortisol, the stress hormone. Use our promo code to show up that foundation to get 10% off your order. And last but not least, Zenderance. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zenderance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad out there. They use proven, clean, and accessible products to make an impact on your health and performance. Use my code, the show up dad, and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zenderance.com. That is spelled X-E-N-D-U-R-A-N-C-E. Thank you. All marriages, even the really good ones, need mending. The routine of jobs, kids, and chores, and other commitments can overshadow romance and passion with any husband and wife. As a result, couples can feel disillusioned or even alone. That is why we have created this marriage series, a platform for husbands and wives to come on and share what they do to become successful. Today's guests are Tony and Alyssa DiLorenzo, who have been married since 1996. As co-hosts of this top marriage show, One Extraordinary Marriage, Tony and Elisa speak to worldwide audience about sex, love, and commitment, and challenge every listener to make the relationship a priority. Their best-selling book, The Six Pillars of Intimacy, has transformed countless marriages around the world. This framework is simple, practical, and powerful. You'll be inspired to look at your marriage through a new lens and be encouraged by its common sense approach. Thank you guys for being guests on our show. It's it's such an honor and we just welcome you. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for having us. It's so funny to hear 1996 because <laughs> I usually just say we've been married for 26 years, but when you take me all the way back to 1996, we're like, wow. <laughs> we're just taking it way back. <laughs> thank you for having us. It's an honor and a blessing to be here with you both. Oh, thank well, you. Absolutely. Well, let's just get started with your story. I mean, you guys are ab- absolutely amazing. Uh, we love your book. Um, my wife has been doing some great research on you guys. And I mean, <laughs> it's awesome the way you guys started, you know. And I have like a lot of friends that have been reading your yes. book and they oh, are so oh. excited um, that we get to talk to you. I asked them a couple of things, like if they had questions for you. And so a few did come up with some questions. We'll get into that later though. But can we start off with um, 
maybe you guys telling us a little bit about your marriage and how you got into this whole marriage ministry that you guys started yeah yeah we i would say we're accidental marriage ministers uh, <laughs> um, it yeah. was it was never it was never our intention in the beginning like we got married um as she said in 1996 and we we were a hot mess we mm-hmm. were we were young when we got married. I was well. You were a hot mess. I was. I was oh, perfect. Yeah, to... <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear here. Like right. I, I was all good. Right, and so that was part of what we had to overcome when we first got married. What number one no, thing in marriage? Have fun. Have no, fun. Don't. Laugh. Yeah. But um, we we were uh, being twenty two and twenty three. There were a lot of things we didn't know mm-hmm. about how to do marriage well, and we had a lot of bad habits Mm -hmm. that we had observed from our parents and we didn't know they were bad habits until we brought them together. And then, you know, communication styles and things like that. You're like, Oh, and I think walking into marriage too. And even to this day, many of people, there is this, um, this sort of dream of what your marriage is going to be. Mm-hmm. And you have you built up this expectation. And Elise and I did as well is like, as soon as you say I do, mm-hmm. like everything's just going to run smoothly. Like what, what do I got to do? Like we're married now. And that's not true. That's a myth. Mm-hmm. And so I think for us, we were very much of the, oh my gosh, this is great. And we're going to just skate through the nether, the next 50 plus years and no big deal. Unfortunately, as many of us know, who've been married for more than a minute, mm-hmm. um, things come up. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't addressing what's happening in your marriage, things can go sideways really quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of sideways. And we had a lot of sideways. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sideways. Um, I think that's a common thing is that when you're young, you have a romanticized ideation of what marriage is going to be. Like we see in movies all the time, they get together they get married and then they live happily ever after. There's nothing at the end of that in movies, usually to show the work that's put in to create that happily ever after. Cause that's actually just the beginning. It's not the ending. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And like you said too, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Cause you kind of go in autopilot, you know, I know, I know I did. I, I'm like, okay, I got the pretty girl. That's it. I'm done. I'm going to go provide for my family. That's it. I'm going to go work. You know what I mean? And, you forget that you have to put in that work that's much needed, you know. And life happens mm-hmm. uh, for Elise and I in those early years. Um, we had mounting debt that we had pulled over from when we were dating long distance. Uh, mm-hmm. This is back in the day when we didn't have cell phones and you had unlimited calling plans or text messaging and all this sort of stuff. So we would sit on the phone for hours at a time every single day paying for long distance phone calls for those of you who remember that time (laughs) and we would have hundreds and hundreds of dollars just adding up and we were poor college students and so we were living on credit cards and not realizing that oh eventually that's gonna Mm -hmm. all come around and we're gonna have to pay that and so our early years of marriage were um overshadowed by debt and to the tune of fifty thousand, and and having to come together and and get ourselves out of that like that i think was one of the first wake-up calls we had in our marriage of just like oh my goodness, we have like letters coming in the mail, mm-hmm. going into collections, are going to turn off our phones, are going to do these sort of things. Um, and so that put us in a, in a, like a deer in the headlights moment early on in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, financial burdens, you know, are just, they're so weighty. 
mm-hmm. on a marriage. And so, you know, we, we navigated the financial crisis is what we, you know, essentially what it was for us. Yeah. Like, how do we get at it? It was the first time we were a team, really a team in our marriage, but that wouldn't be the last hurdle mm-hmm. or challenge that we faced. Um, Tony came into our marriage with an addiction to pornography mm-hmm. and dealing with that and with the ramifications and how that impacted our sexual intimacy, mm-hmm. how it impacted our connection. I mean, it took us until we were, he didn't stop viewing pornography and kick the addiction until we'd been married for eight years. Wow. And so that was this underlying factor in those first eight years. And, you know, how does that rock of marriage over and over again, you know, as a couple of deals with that. And then we also lost a child as well in between our two children. So mm-hmm. first 11 years, tough. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm so sorry for your guys' yeah, loss. Absolutely. That's so tough. In the moment, it's, it's, it, it's a tough situation. And we didn't know how to really navigate that. We didn't have mentors Mm-hmm. Um, around us we didn't have mentors to listen to and so it was really tough time mm-hmm. and what elisa and i do now on the one extraordinary marriage show is to bring this stuff up mm-hmm. and to talk about it and mm-hmm. let people know and let couples know that they're not alone no matter mm-hmm. if they're they're dealing with financial issues or hey maybe the husband or the wife has been looking and viewing at pornography or maybe mm-hmm. a loss of a child or a loved one we come behind our microphones now and we go, we're going to be open, honest, and transparent. And we're going to talk about these issues because I think for us, we felt alone a lot of those times. Yeah. Like we had nobody to, who understood us and we want to just come alongside marriages and couples and go, Hey, we hear you. Mm-hmm. We know where you're at. We understand. And, and maybe you're only listening one way and we can't have this two-way conversation, but we're going to let you know that you're not alone and you can have the extraordinary marriage if you're willing to be intentional and mm-hmm. take action. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about your platform too. It also is because you guys openly speak about these sex challenges and stuff, which in the Christian like realm, sometimes that topic can be kind of taboo Uh and it's real life. Like it's in the Bible (laughs) 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 to do these things. You know, there's a whole songs of Solomon is all about it, you know, but we really need a more healthy approach um, approach yeah. to mm-hmm. marital sex because uh like you said pornography is kind of teaching a lot of people yeah. wrong things about it and um young men and even women are growing up with these ideas that aren't necessarily true um and they're not even accurate physically like the physiology on how we fit together isn't exactly accurate mm-hmm. well and you know i think the church collectively has done yeah. a really good job about telling people not to have sex. Mm-hmm. Like Prior. that that's been mastered. Don't have, you know, no premarital sex and that type of thing, which hundred percent, but we haven't actually collectively done a great job of explaining how beautiful mm-hmm. sex is within marriage and, and all that God intended to be. I mean, you reference song of song and, and being in that place of just saying, you know, that moment between Solomon and his beloved, just incredible. You know, those chapters in the Bible and they're so, they're so rich, but we just say, don't have sex. And then we expect, you know, couples to suddenly flip this switch after and be in this place of going, okay, now, now it's going to be amazing when there's all of these mindsets and beliefs about what sex is or what it isn't that haven't been addressed Mm -hmm. right? or or encouraged or taught before sex, before marriage. And we talk about it a lot because (laughs) our turnaround came with a sex challenge. It was our 60 day sex challenge. 
Mm-hmm. And we started that with the intent of this is all going to be about sex. Mm-hmm. Like that was when we jumped into this, we were like, okay, this is all going to be about sex. We were about to lead a small group study at our church at the time. And it was on intimacy reignited. It was about sexual intimacy going through the song of Solomon. We were going to lead, lead an eight week study. And I came to Elisa and I said, Hey, we're not having this thing as often as we have or thought we would be, or I thought we would be mm-hmm. and around sex. And so I remember looking at her and just going, we're doing this eight week study at church. We're talking about sex. We're talking about the Song of Solomon. What if we do this 60 day sex challenge? And I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) Hands down, no. Straight up. I I was, you know, and a little bit of context. Our kids were two and five at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Those same kids are about to be 17 and 20. And, you know, I was exhausted. We, we weren't connected. We weren't in this place where sexual intimacy was really valued in our marriage. It was, for me, it was more obligatory. And so he's suggesting this and I'm like, no, this is going to be all about for you. And I'm, I'm truthfully not interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, quite honestly, the next day I'm standing in my garage with a basket full of laundry. It's one of like two or three literal come to Jesus moments where I hear the voice of God. And the, the voice said, if you're not willing to do this, then your marriage is over. Wow. Mm. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that no. Yeah. And I, I started having this like argument with God. I'm like, no, I don't yeah. think that's the answer. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, but it was very clear to me in that moment. And I've, I've shared this with a lot of audiences that, that God wasn't asking me to, it wasn't about the sex. God, I, I was being told and instructed to make my marriage a priority. Mm-hmm. The wow. sexual intimacy was the initial catalyst, but that was just the what we were saying yes to. Mm-hmm. What we learned over that 60 days was really how to do marriage from a holistic standpoint, mm-hmm. understanding just how many different ways there are in a marriage to be close and connected and that it wasn't just the sexual intimacy. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was a wild ride. Yeah. We, 11 years in, we rediscovered ourselves. We rediscovered each other. We, we rediscovered the passion we had for each other, the romance, initiating. And over those 60 days, we ended up completing 40 out of 60 days. Wow. And literally, mm-hmm. it revolutionized our marriage because of what Elisa said. We prioritized our marriage. And it was the first time in a long, long time that we said, you know what? Everything else will happen. Everything else will will, will 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 still do its thing. And we got littles and volunteering and church and work and all that's going to happen. And yet, if we don't prioritize this marriage, mm-hmm. we're not going to have it. And so it's been that catalyst that has now led us on this journey where we have the One Extraordinary Marriage Show, mm-hmm. six books that we've written, our bestseller, The Six Pillars of Intimacy, and, and so many other things that we get to do to share with, with couples. Wow. I thought it was interesting that you said that, you know, going to this priority, right? How you said that life happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so true because you get so busy. I mean, you're doing your thing, being a husband, a provider and stuff like that. And then she's being the provider at the house, right? Two different jobs, both equally important. And you do get burnt out, you know, if you don't make it a priority. It was a big old wake up call. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What do you think, Jenny? I think... um well, I kind of want to back up a little bit and I want to know what was the thing like that 
created this desire for you guys to make a change in the marriage? What happened? Did you guys hit rock bottom? I mean, did you guys just decide, oh, our marriage is like blah, it's bland. What was the catalyst for this mm-hmm. crazy new probably Idea, yeah. exciting <laughs> challenge? Yeah. yeah. We were, we were we were in a spot. I think we were looking at three different things. Uh-huh. One, we were blah. It, 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 mm-hmm. it had plateaued and it was actually going downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no closeness or connection in any of the pillars. Um, it, it was just doing life, co-parenting our kids and making things work. It, mm-hmm. it was very blah. It was what I would say. And I don't think it was ever, that was ever our expectation when we got married. No, I didn't get married to be Tony's roommate. Mm -hmm. I I got married to be his wife and his lover. And so being in this place where, and and mind you, this was, you know, 15 years ago. So this was before co-parenting was even a term, Um, but that's what we were doing. We, We raised our kids together and there was nothing else that we were doing together, Mm -hmm. except, you know, we'd sleep in the same bed. Mm-hmm. And we'd go through our day, but there was no like, oh my gosh, I actually like you and I want to spend time with you and you're fun and I'm flirting, like none of that. Yeah. And that really, that was what the catalyst was because we knew we only had a few options. Yeah. And so we, when we were looking at it, the options were A, stay married until the kids turn 18, get divorced. And mm-hmm. we're seeing that happen more and more right now. Yes. Yeah. It's unreal. Um I never thought that would be where we would be at this point in time, but it is our desire to help those whose kids are leaving mm-hmm. to find the passion, find that they have a love for one another and continue mm-hmm. with their marriage. So one was that wait till the kids turn 18, call it good. We'll mm-hmm. rock and roll at that point in time. We'll call it good and do our thing Two, We get a divorce now, just call it good at this point in time. And then we'll, we'll go on our separate ways or three. We're going to get radical. And doing the challenge was we're going to get radical. It wasn't that either of us were addicted to anything or we hit like rock bottom, but inside, I think we were both a bit dead. I think we were both just Mm -hmm. not fully living the life that God had called us individually and together in this marriage. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's where the catalyst was. And, and, And doing that small group study, I think was just one of the little things, little perks that. I think God just sort of threw in there and going, all right, do this small group study. And you're going to have folks around there, couples that we still know to this day mm-hmm. that uh, we shared and they encourage us throughout that whole challenge. And, and we're beside us and still are friends with us to this day um, uh, and had cheered us on then. So built in accountability partners. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. So important to have those. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm interested, um, Alyssa, oh. I'm sorry, Elisa, right? Is how I say your name? Okay. Elisa, with you being hesitant to go into the challenge, what did you learn about yourself through those 60 days? Mm, That's such a great question, Jenny. Mm. Uh, For me, I I learned a lot about what it it means to make marriage a priority. Mm -hmm. I actually rediscovered the fact that I enjoyed having sex with my husband. Mm. Um, I learned how, but that came through us really diving into our emotional intimacy again, mm-hmm. like engaging one another. Yeah. Right. But, and that's all part of the process right. because, you know, the sexual intimacy was the catalyst, mm-hmm. but you know, like I, I've shared with people before, um, you can't have sex every day and not be having conversations. Like there are a whole bunch of other things that go on. What does it look like to not 
pick the little fights because it's just not worth it. You know, the mm-hmm. little you know annoyances, like who's got to bring in the trash can. I'm like, who cares who brings in the trash can or who cares who washes the dishes? The sooner we get it done because the kids were still little, the sooner we can get to bed and then we can enjoy one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that. And know, that went both ways. It did. Yeah, that it, actually it went, absolutely did. That, that went both ways. Instead of having like these chore wars, yeah. um, like who's going to get what done and when all is it going to get done and all the scorekeeping that all went by the wayside at mm-hmm. that point because together we were like no we both want to do this and is it worth me sitting around and not helping even though i i had another business i was running i was out all day i would i would get home and be like okay i'm gonna shower i'm gonna we're gonna spend time together as a family um and as lisa's getting maybe the kids ready for for bath time or whatever i was just like i'm gonna just clean up the house like She's mm-hmm. been here all day. Yeah, but there's still stuff that we, I was playing with the kids. Or, let's clean up. Let's get this stuff go, gone. So that way when their kids were in bed, mm-hmm. we could connect. Mm. One of the biggest things that I learned was that you can change your marriage in small, consistent steps, mm-hmm. right? That it, it's not, you know, so often a couple will find themselves in a place where it's like, wow, we've got this massive disconnect and they think they need, you know, literally like that lightning bolt you know, act of God, just, you know, mm-hmm. strike the situation right there. And, and what I saw over that 60 day period is that if we got consistent doing the little things, mm-hmm. that's what creates the big changes. That's what brings the connection back. It's not just one, you know, amazing date. It was, oh, let's have yeah. a conversation every day. Let's mm-hmm. spend time sitting on the couch cuddling. Let's, you know, go out on regular dates, not just, you know, once in a blue moon. And so it was really that awareness. And that's been so much, so foundational to everything we've done since is what are the baby steps mm-hmm. that we can do consistently to really make us a priority? And I think too, a lot of, a lot of marriages out there, a lot of couples that we've talked to, they get overwhelmed by the big picture, right? They, they, yeah. they get overwhelmed. And I like that you said the little steps, right? I always tell the men and women that I talk to and me and Jenny talk to that. It's like, how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. You know right. what I mean? It's that consistency over time that makes the big change, right? 100%. And, um, I, I think that's great that you guys said that, you know, that's just absolutely awesome, you know? And I think people should just try to focus on the one area that is really just hurting their marriage. Like mm-hmm. just pick one thing, right? And then <laughs> once you get that under wraps, you kind of move on to the next thing. I love that you said that. I and wanted to- happened- I was going to say that's happened multiple times in our marriage Yeah, you know, yeah. with the finances. It, that was a big thing. And then mm-hmm. around our sexual intimacy, emotional intimacy, mm-hmm. that was a big thing. So we, we addressed it and we kept moving forward. Yeah. I wanted to um, move into the topic about your guys's book, the six pillars of intimacy. And I wanted to see if you could break down the six pillars, what they are sure. for our audience. Yeah, I this book has been literally 13 years in the making. I mean, we started talking about intimacy all the way back um, when we first started the One Extraordinary Marriage show, and it really evolved over the years. But the big thing that we got out of that 60-day sex challenge and that we've been refining for all this time is, you know, so often people hear the word intimacy and they immediately think sex. sex. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, for everyone listening, you simply cannot be having sex with your spouse 24-7. Which <laughs> okay. a great idea you think that is <laughs> you can't do it. so we really have to look at how else can you be close and connected to your spouse every day yep. instead of just putting it into just this one single area 
And so the first pillar of intimacy is your emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. It's how the two of you stay close and connected through sharing your thoughts, your feelings, and your desires. It's all the communication, mm-hmm. right? Your body language, your verbal, nonverbal communication, and really understanding that all of that is, it's the workhorse mm-hmm. because how the two of you communicate will impact every single area of how you do mm-hmm. marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the next one is physical intimacy. And this is your closeness and connection through your non-sexual touch. We, we separate this out. We're going to talk about sexual intimacy here in a little bit, but we talk about physical intimacy. So how are you holding hands? How are you kissing? How are you hugging? Are you cuddling naked in bed mm-hmm. at night? What are you doing? What are those touches, non-sexual, that brings you to close and connected? Can mm-hmm. it lead to sexual intimacy? Absolutely. But we broke this up because we, he- we heard a lot of people who would say, uh, I want to be physically intimate. And yet we can be physically intimate. Mm-hmm. We can touch, we, yeah. but we don't have to go into sexual intimacy. It's that closeness and connection without that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's vital. And we've seen it happen for so many people and so many couples. Mm-hmm. So that was number two. Number three is your financial intimacy. And for a lot of couples, this is one that's like, do those two words even belong yeah. in the same? <laughs> Somebody asked that of us today. Yeah, we're talking mm-hmm. like financial and intimacy. But it's true. You know, I mean, the Bible tells us in Genesis 2, the two shall become one. Mm-hmm. And God didn't put any you know, parentheses or any exclusions on that. You know, it's in all areas. Yeah. And so really looking at your finances, everything from how the two of you, you know, what your cash flow plan is to what your retirement plan is to mm-hmm. your trust and estate documents to, you know, college planning, like all of these different things can fall under that financial intimacy, but it's really understanding how do we do money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a couple, mm-hmm. getting on the same place and building that connection through your finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spiritual intimacy is uh, your closeness and connection through your religious beliefs and practices. Mm-hmm. So for couples, I mean, this can be anywhere from worshiping together, doing a devotional together, mm-hmm. attending a service together, serving together. What are those things that you do together that strengthens your spiritual intimacy. Mm-hmm. For many of us, we were brought up, and Elisa says this often, um, and it's something that we even had to address in this area of our own marriages. We're brought up, possibly if you were brought up in a Christian home or a faith-filled family, it's your own. Mm-hmm. It's your own journey. It's your own relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet you get married. Yeah. So how do you how do you bring that together for the two of you? Mm-hmm. And so that's really diving into this area and going, all right, what can we do together that strengthens this in our marriage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, looking at that from a really holistic standpoint, because every couple, you know, like a lot of things, we come into our marriages with our own faith walk and faith mm-hmm. journey. And for a lot of couples, it, it's a bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm to Mm -hmm. open their mouths and bring that emotional intimacy into the spiritual intimacy. Mm -hmm. Um, The fifth pillar is your recreational intimacy. And this Mm -hmm. is how the two of you stay close and connected through all of your, you know, shared fun experiences. What are those things? A lot of people like to call it dates. Yeah. Not exclusively dates, uh, but really going after what do we do as a couple Mm -hmm. together? You know, do we want to go axe throwing? Do we want to walk along the beach? Do we yeah. want to, you know, ride ATVs out and out in the desert? What do we want to do? What do we do mm-hmm. together? So we're not just sitting there on the couch, scrolling through Instagram yep. sitting on opposite ends with the remote control and the TV and just going, yeah, we're, yeah, we're spending time together, but really going, Hey, how do we connect? What mm-hmm. do we do? Yep. 
And lastly is our sexual intimacy. Hmm. This one, we expanded it. Mm -hmm. And this is something we learned over the years as well. Sexual intimacy includes your romance, your initiating, your foreplay, and your sexual intercourse. And so we are really, uh, over the years of just hearing from couples in the one family, just understanding that sexual intimacy isn't just the act of sex. What are we doing? How are we romancing? What's initiating look like? What does foreplay look like? Mm -hmm. And allowing us to expand that has helped us and many others to go, oh, wow. It's not just what most people will throw out and we, we've shared here. It's not just intimacy. Yeah. It's sexual intimacy. And that encompasses those four different areas. And how are we strengthening our marriage and that pillar by looking at each one of those? Mm. When you guys, so you guys have this test, right? To see where you're at in your yeah, the quiz. Yeah. The quiz, right. So me and my wife both did that. Okay. And um, my question before we tell you what our deals was, how often do you see that there are, like the men are a certain, like, is there a certain uh, category category that men most fit into and, and women <laughs> most fit into, you know? <laughs> so unlike some of the other um, marriage frameworks that are out there, yeah, the six pillars really isn't, it doesn't really fall into gender specific. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've coached, you know, hundreds and hundreds of couples over the years. And it's not just like, you know, the assumption might be that women are really strong or really desiring of emotional intimacy and men are on the opposite side and really desiring of sexual intimacy. And so that's and a big part, you guys, of why we designed not just the quiz, but the framework is because we didn't want, we didn't want the pillars to be an identity. Mm -hmm. We wanted them to be a foundational piece that couples could say, hey, you know what? All six of these are important. You may feel more closely connected in one pillar or another, but it doesn't mean, like, let's say, Jenny, you feel, you know, most closely connected in the emotional intimacy pillar. It doesn't mean that the sexual intimacy pillar doesn't exist right. yeah. and it's not important. It's just where you feel connected. And that's an understanding piece, but that's not an identity. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to get away from couples taking on an identity and say, wait a minute, we do this thing called marriage together. Yeah. yeah. And all six of these pillars matter. Mm -hmm. right? I like we're all about being on the same team. And mm -hmm. so you can look at that and you go, this is where we're, this is where I'm strong. This is the one where I have strength. Mm -hmm. It's like, cool. That's great. Your spouse may have another pillar that she or he is strong in. Mm -hmm. Great. How do we use the skills that you have mm -hmm. and use it in other pillars where you see cracks? To bring it together, exactly what mm -hmm. you just did there with your hands. And so instead of you being in tug of war where you take on an identity and go, well, this is who I am, mm -hmm. this is who you are, and we're opposite of one another, and we're tugging on one another, and one of us is going to lose. One of us is going to be dragged through the mud. The six mm -hmm. pillars of intimacy isn't for that. Mm -hmm. The six pillars of intimacy is that we have our strengths. We're shoulder to shoulder. We're on the same team. And we're going to go fight the problem together. We're going to find a solution together. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> so uh, it, I feel like it's so obvious. I, I'm definitely emotional intimacy. When I took the quiz, that was my strength. And he was obvious. Was sexual intimacy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's not so much the sexual part. It's more along the lines of like, I like touch, you know, even if it's not intimate touch or anything like that, like I like my back rubbed, yeah. you know, so that's I, that physical intimacy part. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You know, I just, even just being around her and her just putting her hand on my lap or whatever in the car, you know, while we're driving, you know what I mean? Just knowing that she's there, mm -hmm. you know, 
and it's yeah it's so much more <laughs> it absolutely is and and what i would share with the two of you is and what i share with a lot of my coaching clients is look at why those pillars matter so much to you and, and really as you're able to share that with one another and able to share why you think this is a strength and how this plays out you can actually look at it and go well how do i apply this to the one that is most meaningful to my spouse mm. right yeah. and, and then it becomes this this framework you know these mm. foundational pillars that actually add strength to your marriage yeah. mm. and make it more beautiful i talk about it in the book you know there are certain characteristics of pillars yeah. and two of them are that they add beauty and uh, that they bring strength and the third one is that they carry weight right mm. and so that's what happens when you understand that about the two of you yeah. is there ever a point in time where you start to get to know these six pillars so well and identify them in your own life so well that you can thrive in all six areas Mm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. It, it's been really neat to see um, over the last couple of years, as we introduced this framework to the one family, how couples, and Tony says this so well, mm -hmm. now couples have language yeah. to say what's going on in our marriage. And if we're not thriving in an area, we, we can name it and basically name it and claim it. Okay. If we got a crack in our financial intimacy pillar, what skills do we have? What tools do we need to make that strong so we can strengthen that pillar? Mm. Mm. And so couples now have this awareness to go, wait, we can do this. Yeah. Can, it's not this nameless, like, oh, we're disconnected it's and just, we don't yeah. know what to do. Right. Right. And we see that in so many couples because they they lack that knowledge, right? It's not that they want this marriage to be horrible or anything like that. Right. It's just they really feel stuck. Right? They don't they don't, they don't really have the tools. Start, right. Yeah. They don't have the tools to like work through the problems, right? No, absolutely. I mean, we found ourselves in the same position where we're at ends with each other pulling in opposite directions and then we feel finally realize that tension is actually good in your marriage you know mm -hmm. it's like a, a tension bridge right? right when you're pulling in opposite directions you know it's made to strengthen you guys because what happens in a tension bridge it causes that bridge to be stronger and for it to support way to go in across it you know and so tension if you really look at it is an actual good thing you know what i mean it's it's a warning right to you need to fix this stuff. You know what I mean? But if, don't yeah. let it break you. Right? And if you have the tools to be able to utilize that tension for the benefit mm -hmm. of your marriage. Yeah, absolutely. I heard, I listened to a little bit of your interview with Dr. Drew and yes. I thought there was something really amazing that you guys said about if people, if two spouses are thriving in the six pillars of intimacy, how it affects the children mm -hmm. in the family. Can you talk about that? Yeah. You know, I mean, I mentioned earlier, our kids are about to be 17 and 20, which mm -hmm. just blows my mind. Um, and they've actually, I mean, this is pretty much all they've ever known. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not just our marriage, but it's the marriage of so many other couples in the one family who, you know, when couples get intentional, when their parents understand that mar great marriages, extraordinary marriages don't just happen, they're the result of intentional, active work. If you don't like the word work, call it effort. I, <laughs> first of all, with the word work, I, work is not a bad thing. Yeah. Right. But if, if you realize that, then all of a sudden you start, you start going after that goal, that prize. What is the extraordinary marriage to the two of you? And the more intentional that you are as husband and wife, your kids are going to benefit from your intentionality. 
-hmm. Kids don't want to be, you know, 20, 22, 24, you know, the baby goes off to college and they're getting a phone call from mom or dad saying, Hey, you know what? We poured so much into you guys. We made the two of you a priority or the three of you or whatever it is all these years that we lost ourselves. So you know what? We're getting a divorce. Wow. Mm -hmm. No kid wants to hear that. No. They want to know that they go off to college and it's like, you know what? Yeah. Our parents made, you know, they, they loved us. They showed up, they did things, but they're going to be okay. And they're actually probably going to have a better life mm -hmm. together now that we, you know, we're out of the house and they've got more time to date and have sex and do all the things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we see with so many couples that, that adopt and, and really implement strength. Mm -hmm. And building strength and understanding that we go through seasons. So sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, you can be in a valley, but going, what do we do when we're in a valley? We make it strong again. Mm -hmm. Even in our own kids' lives, I've seen the difference. And mm -hmm. it's really interesting. Um, my mom's alive. My dad passed. Uh -huh. And I just think about the conversations I had with my parents mm -hmm. about marriage, about money, about spiritual matters. And it wasn't a lot. Mm -hmm. I rarely saw my parents even talk at times. I mean, they loved each other. They they celebrated 43 years before dad passed away. Mm -hmm. um, and I know they loved each other. And yet they didn't really talk to me or my brother about like, what is this thing? Mm -hmm. What What is marriage? What What is this relational, this relationship dynamic and all of that money and, and all these things. And so as Elisa and I, as our marriage got strengthened, it was easier for us to show our kids what it looks like through the good and tough times, being able to have fine conversations and, and also have arguments and know that we're not leaving one another. Mm -hmm. um, but then even to speak into their lives and talk about finances openly with them. What does that look like? We went through the great recession and lost everything. Um, and so they were still younger then. So as they've grown up, just talking about what that was like and the, and the tough times that we went through, but we never left each other's side. And, and now with the older one, he and I have a great relationship because I, I began to think about what's the legacy that we get to leave. Mm. What's our legacy? What is what is our what are our children going to learn? And then as they begin to date and then get married and have kids, what are they going to be passing down? And what are we going to be able to continue to pour into them as as they grow up as well? Mm. I like that you, you know, your whole premise is based on intimacy, right? Now, intimacy, the way I've heard it described is into me see. Mm -hmm. You know, be just being totally transparent, right? So being that you guys practice it so much in your own marriage you were able to be intimate with your kids and, and talking these hard things and explaining these things that had happened to you. And that right there in itself builds trust, not only with your spouse, but with your children itself. So it's this big reciprocating circle that just keeps going and going and going in a positive direction. And that's the importance of intimacy. I think, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things I want to encourage everyone listening to the show is that you might not have been raised in a family. Mm -hmm that did this. Neither one of us were. Yeah. You know, the, the conversations that we have with our kids were definitely not passed down. No. It, it has been a learned skill. Mm -hmm. And so I want to encourage every listener, don't, don't just write it off, you know, your ability to speak into your kids' lives. Don't, don't write off your ability to, you know, be able to have meaningful, deep conversations with your spouse simply because you haven't been able to do it yet. Mm -hmm. Understand that literally where there's a will, there's a way. And if you're willing to go into you know this mindset of I'm going to develop the skills to be able to do this, 
-hmm. you literally will shift generations Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that in many, many years, when we have, you know, grandchildren, in-laws and, you know, grandchildren, that their lives will be so vastly different Mm -hmm. because we went on a journey of developing skills in our own marriage. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important because I think sometimes people think, oh, I'm just so messed up. I've already messed up my kids, blah, blah, blah. Like I don't want to go any further, but the reality is, is it's never really too late to start making changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and with children, especially they learn more so much from watching than mm-hmm. from us telling because they have mirror neurons. So they mirror our behavior, you know, and when they move into adulthood there, they actually go into their default programming which is what happened in the or, the family of origin mm-hmm. so when we get into marriage and stuff and we didn't have that good default programming we end up you know being surprised that oh i have these horrible habits or i cope <laughs> in this really horrible way and stuff but if we can shift that for the future generations like what you're saying mm-hmm. man it's just a ripple effect it just gets better for them and then their next generation is better and the next generation is better because we're able to be the example and display good behaviors and good communication techniques because i think so many people really suffer from not being able to communicate to their spouse Mm -hmm. and intimacy isn't always like really nice (laughs) (laughs) it's a a learned skill and what you see here now between elisa and i Uh we've had a lot of messed up conversations we're a testament to the tools and the resources of what we've created here at one extraordinary marriage because we were willing to take a small step and keep Mm -hmm. moving forward if you would have heard us 15 years ago this isn't the same tony and elisa you would have seen or heard we were just willing to step in front of our microphones each and every week for the last 12 years at this point in time for 30 minutes and have a conversation Mm -hmm. and there were times in our marriage and going through the one one extraordinary marriage show there are times that was all we had on our calendar was that 30 minute conversation, Mm -hmm. but we did it each and every week. And then we've done that since 2010 Mm -hmm. and we learned and we grew And some weeks. We had more time for each other. And other times that was all we had, but we continue to step forward in the skills we learned. That's what got us to where we are today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like for us in our journey with intimacy, we're learning that sometimes when we want to be transparent and truthful with each other, it can cause like a momentary chaotic, like storm sometimes, um, because maybe I'm telling him something that he doesn't necessarily want to hear because Mm -hmm. my default programming was kind of more along the lines of codependency placating. And now I'm shifting that into, okay, I'm not going to just placate to you. I'm going to actually tell you how I feel or what I actually want for dinner. Right. Um, and then, you know, that can cause sometimes I, some bit of discomfort for him probably because that's a good word yeah Yeah. good word true and so I think um people are sometimes afraid of conflict in their marriage Mm -hmm. on small levels but if they deal with those tiny conflicts up front they don't turn into these long-term bitterness battles resentment absolutely and that you know, going back to something that you said earlier, you know, we learn how to do conflict from what we see. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, again, looking at our children, our children are going to learn how to do conflict based on how we do conflict. Mm-hmm. So learning again, to come back to skill development, learning how to maybe not placate and actually, you know, voice wants and desires, learning how to process that information, even when it is a bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. and doing that, you know, somewhat in real time in front of your children actually teaches them how to, oh, what does it look like when a husband and wife have different opinions? Yeah. How do they navigate that? How do they, if, if it actually gets a little bit bigger, how do they make up and I think that there are a lot, I see in coaching that there are a lot of couples that never saw their parents fight or didn't know that their parents had disagreements. Yeah. And then they go and get married and they have a different opinion or viewpoint than their spouse. And they're like, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. We, we, maybe, maybe we're completely incompatible. Cause I like, I, I don't know how to do this, this conflict thing. Instead of saying, wait a minute, going back to your tension bridge example, we need to figure out how to have healthy tension. Mm-hmm. how to adjust, how to understand one another, because, uh, you know, I, I say it in this explosive of intimacy book, you know, if the two of you are identical, one of you is not necessary in this marriage. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, you know, if you're, if you're exactly like your spouse, guess what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As yeah. easy as it would be, you're still, you know, only one of you would be necessary. <laughs> That's great. And it's cool to see how opposites attract, you know, because, for me and Jenny, I mean, we're completely night and day. Oh, so different. I mean, crazy. You know, I'm this guy who's just like focused, driven, just I'm going to put my head down and just plow through it. I don't care what it takes, you know, and mm-hmm. she takes a more gentler approach and more uh, methodical approach about it. And, <laughs> you know, we balance each other out, which is cool. But at the beginning, it wasn't like that, huh? No, it's kind of like how Jimmy Evans says that marriage is like a river and it's two two rivers coming together and um they either be learn to flow together or you're just going to have rip currents <laughs> and, and you need you need a raft you need white water rafting and helmets for that you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> and that's how a lot of the beginning of our marriage was um it wasn't until we kind of had like major kind of traumas and stuff with me getting sick and him being out of town uh that we really needed to learn to shift things. And I'm so grateful for it because we're in a new place now where we're learning so much and it's impacting our children in, in a way that is amazing. Mm-hmm. The fruit that's coming out of it, yeah. I'm just so excited for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, I mean, if you didn't, you know, have a healthy or, you know, you didn't get raised up with parents that knew how to deal with conflict resolution, mm-hmm. you don't know, you know, so we're, pretty stoked that with our kids we're actually working through program or these problems you know that we run into and we're actually showing them how to problem solve you know what i mean yep. raising healthy kids that can go out into the environment and be successful in their marriage you know what i mean or their relationships you know showing That's them the right we do what we do right? mm-hmm. yeah how did you guys discover that financial was like the financial aspect was intimacy <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's closest again. Intimacy is closeness and connection. So yeah. let's so always look at it from that from that standpoint. It's closeness and connection. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at finances, you look at money. How are we close and connected around it? And it it plays a big part mm-hmm. in our marriages. So if we if we don't bring that into the fold, here's this big elephant in the room, literally, that nobody wants to talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not just our cash flow plan. I think many of us have just been sort of like, all right, well, 
we got debt, we got out of debt, we now have a cash flow plan or some sort of budget, we're good to go. Mm-hmm. And Elisa and I really looked at it and where we are in our own lives and our own marriage going, mm-hmm. well, there's retirements, there's insurance, there's wills, there are trusts, there, there are all sorts of different aspects of mm-hmm. finances that are intertwined in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And we need to address those throughout the years. And we've seen a number of folks in our in our own family and and those around us who have passed over the years and mm-hmm. some of them who've done it well and others who have it. And so mm-hmm. for us, you know, as we speak to the one family and for those of for those of them who are older, like being like looking at your financial intimacy from a standpoint of do we have a will? Do we have a living testament? Do we have a trust? Are we protecting this? Are we leaving a legacy? Are we going to just let the state take it all mm-hmm. and Hopefully something good happens Mm -hmm. with it instead of going like, let's make this a pillar because if we're Mm -hmm. in it, it's going to just make things go so much smoother Mm -hmm. um, than if we don't talk about it. I think it's great because it's an unexpected kind of category. But when you look at couples nowadays, I feel like it's so normalized for them to have separate banking banking accounts Mm -hmm. and such. And it really does kind of meld the family together. And when we see couples that don't have a bank account together, I, I've, I know a lot of people that have gotten divorced. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's just like correlation or one whatever. aspect or if that's related anyway, but I feel that it, it kind of is because it allows you to kind of live your own life secretly if you want to, or mm-hmm. do things that isn't approved through your marriage and stuff. What do you guys think about that? So total transparency, we've had joint accounts since the very beginning. And it was probably because we didn't have any money. And so it was just easier to pool, you know, $20 in one account. One bank, yeah. yeah. Like, um, why have two, why have two accounts, two accounts for $10 in, bucks in it? Yeah. Um, I, I do see, and 100% Jenny, I agree with you, that if finances are not commingled, and I'm not saying every account, like we have business accounts, we've had different business mm-hmm. accounts over the years that have had to be, you know, separate, one name only, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But but the household accounts, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of goes back to that scripture that says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's very true when it comes to money and marriage. Money is often cited as one of, you know, depending on who's doing the research, one of the top reasons why a couple gets divorced. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is either the spending habits mm-hmm. or secret spending. Yep. Hiding. And, and so bringing it together, it's a stretch. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard. To make those adjustments, especially, you know, depending on how old you are when you get married and how long, you know, you've had your own money and what that looks like. But so much gets wrapped up into how do we spend our money? Mm-hmm. And there are yeah. opportunities there to, to make decisions together to say, what are we prioritizing in this season? What do we need to take care of? How do we, you know, whether you identify as a spender or a saver or some combination of both, how do I work with you? The person that I chose, the person that I said I do to, mm-hmm. to build our marriage together, not two individual parallel paths right. to become one. Yeah. Mm. And there's accountability, right? When we yeah. have money, when we have money in that one account, um, which is the household account, there's accountability to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in all financial realms, I mean, Elise and I have been um, self-employed entrepreneurs for 19 years now, 18 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've always had separate business accounts, but those have been, we, we run smaller businesses. So we both have eyeballs on. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there are different 
th there are different stages and different ways that you're working through this. And so yeah. a lot of it is, hey, if we're having issues, like let's address them. Like let's mm -hmm. come together. What does it look like? Because there can be a lot of frustration around it if we feel like, one spouse has control over all the money mm -hmm. and one doesn't. And I want money to pay for the kids to go, you know, for, for me and the kids to go grab some food during the day while you're out at work, but I don't have access to that. Yeah. A lot can happen because of money. And that's why we do talk about it because you yeah. need to address it in the marriage. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, sure. I'm going to switch gears real quick here because we're getting closer to the end. Tony, I've heard you talk about this before, but I did have a friend that wanted to know how to prioritize their spouse when there is so much pressure of other things in life, such as like a busy life, a job, so much stuff happening all around. How do you prioritize your spouse to mm. be number one? Mm. Well, I think it's mindset. Like first and foremost, it's mindset. And what, 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 how do I prioritize? And Elisa and I have said this many a times, it's, it's God, our spouse, our kids, mm -hmm our family, and then our work. And if we look at our lives like that, that God's first, spouse is second, kids, and we go on down the line, mm -hmm. that that's a shift, right? Yeah, and yeah. so that mindset shift begins to go, okay, if things are starting, and, and again, it's not about time. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure people understand this very clearly. Like when I had another business and I was working 40 to 60 hours a week, it didn't mean I was then spending 40 to 60 hours a week with Elisa and prioritizing her that way. I was finding time within my full schedule. Both of us would find time in that full schedule where we were being intentional and spending that those moments together. Mm -hmm. What were those? And it could have been a half an hour. It could have been two hours. It could have yeah. been more. But it, it's not time for time. And a lot of people will do that. Well, you're spending 40 hours at work. You need to spend 40 hours with me. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case that you're, you're going to run yourself ragged in that, in that situation, mm -hmm. but it's going, but I do have time on my calendar after the kids go to sleep tonight to spend a half an hour with you mm -hmm. and engage in our recreational intimacy, have some fun together. What mm -hmm. could we do? Could we go play a card game? Could we just sit down and and have like a fun little date at home idea, you know, mm -hmm. where we just sit down, have a nice meal, light the candles. Some of our best times, some of our best memories come from that. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think it's mindset shift and also knowing it's not hour for hour, mm -hmm. but the quality, yeah. not the quantity, it's the quality. So get off the phone if you're with them mm -hmm. and it's like, we're spending time together. And at least I can still get into that place mm -hmm. of wow, we're spending time together, but we're, we're over here on our phones. Like, let's put yeah, these right. things away. Yeah. Let's really spend that quality time. And it's so easy to do with all these devices. You know, that's <laughs> big oh, things God. that I see all the time. And the biggest complaint, even in my workplace, you know, it's these devices. They're taking us away. They're distracting us from what's really important. You know what I mean? And yeah. it, like you said, it takes intentionality mm -hmm. to be able to say, hey, I'm going to prioritize. I don't need this today. Needs and wants, right? right. <laughs> yeah. My wife needs this, but I want this. So mm -hmm. I got to put her needs before. And that's dying to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, if you think about it. I think that kind of puts into perspective too, like a lot of people think that their hobbies, they really need to be doing their hobbies over hanging out with their spouse because it like refreshes them or whatever. But um, I don't know why people have this idea that if you marry the right person, you don't really have to work at it <laughs> or give them any attention and things like that. 
you know? Yeah. And we had a season like that in our own marriage. Oh yeah. We've mm-hmm. done that. We, 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 and so we've gone through enough to, and we share a lot of it on the podcast of just mm-hmm. those seasons of that we've been in ourselves and how do we reprioritize one another when we've gotten off kilter? Mm-hmm. That's the way I, I share what we believe in. Doesn't mean that it can get tweaked. Yeah. So we have to address it and, and reprioritize and going, okay, what, what's going on here and putting one another first after God. And one of the things I would say to that is mm-hmm. when the marriage is really strong, you have time to do everything else. Mm-hmm. It's a whole lot easier to get time to go do your hobbies or to go hang out with friends or do whatever when this relationship is super strong mm-hmm. because out of the overflow, out of that abundance, life is so much easier. Everything wow. flows. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. That's amazing. Well, Tony and Elisa, thank you so much for coming on our show. Um, how can you can you share with our audience how to get a hold of you or anything like that if they have questions and your podcast? Yeah. We'll have yeah, it in the as well. But. I would say the best way to do it is go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can go there. Everything you need to know if you want to pick up the book, learn about the book, learn about the quiz, everything we, we talked about, go right there, oneextraordinarymarriage.com. You can learn about it all. Awesome. And once again, thank you guys coming on here so much. I know our audience is going to appreciate it. I know I did. Uh, Jenny. (laughs) So much fun. I was so excited to have you on. Awesome. It's been our pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you both. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a good night.